Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Wayne Hawks is here. Hello to you, Wayne. Morning, Jared. How are you? Good, good. As the females have been the banner holders in horse racing from an equine perspective for a generation and Jamie Carr is quite rightly right at the forefront of that group. No doubt she is, but I was listening to you uh, in the opening and you were talking about Sam Kerr and uh, you were talking about her legacy. I think she should go to Man U and get them out there. You know what? That's what I think she should do. Then she will go to being uh, the most unbelievable woman uh, woman in the world. But you know what? It's uh, you, you just listen to your, uh, your guy that just texted in about gay waterhouses and Jamie Carr's and what about the female horses? There's no, um, there's no male sexual, uh, female sexual preferences in the racing industry because when I was a kid, the great line was a good colt will always beat a good filly, and that was non-sexist. It was just a pure masculinity thing. Now, look at all of our great horses of the modern era. We've had nature strips and chautauquas in, uh, in, in recent times, but Winxes and Maccabi Divas and your favourite, Black Caviar. Yeah. I mean, we went a sequence, Sunline, Maccabi Diva, Black Caviar, Winx. How's, how's that for a, uh, a poker hand, folks? So, so we, we, we probably lose a few more males because of the non-gilding thing because everyone wants a stallion, everyone wants a successful stallion, but the problem is we, uh, you don't, you, you're not breaking them down, the Colts, but what you're doing is mentally they're just switching off. They're not, uh, they're not concentrating and they're like your dog that needs to be spayed and it's, it's, that's as simple as how it, uh, how it is. And the ones that don't, so we didn't, get the full career of the autumn sun. We didn't get the full career of Correct. all too hard to, to build all the way through Ollie and see Kirk, what they might have been. You know what I mean? And and that and that's the other issue because uh, just talking about all too hard, he only raced at three and took on the uh, the older horses and was beating them and my father was adamant he would have just about won everything as a four-year-old yep. because he was all but winning them at three. So, But the owners looked at it and said, we've paid uh, equivalent of $26 million for this colt. He is going to earn it in the breeding barn. And the folks that don't know what it uh, what a service fee is for a horse like All Too Hard in his first year, $66,000 a shot plus GST. I'd be happy with the six grand GST, Jared, let me tell you. Yep. You're smiling. And I mean, it's an amazing statistic from a dollars and cents point of view. So where all the money really is in the racing industry is actually in the breeding barn, but it's a bit like looking at the uh, F1 uh, Grand Prix drivers. There's only two dozen of them. There's only so many stallions that are going to have that chance. And there's a lot of uh, wannabes and potentials, but if you uh, if you hit the bullseye, it's uh, it's worth plenty. So that's where you were all of last week and yes. into this week. And we spoke last week about how thorough that process is. is <clears throat> how many did you end up buying at the Melbourne Premier Yearling Sales? One. 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 So you looked at 400 one. and bought one. One. Uh, was underbidder on two. Lot uh, 70. Uh, loved lot 76. And we uh, we went 440,000 for him and... Uh, some woman from Sydney beat us with a big hat on and big flary uh, clothes. And Hello, gay. Yeah, she just looked across and I just went, whatever. <laughs> so she beat me again. But uh, you know what? Some people love getting off on, I was underbidder on this and I was underbidder on that. I'd rather have the horse. Yes, yes. You, d- you don't remember when you're underbidder on a slow one. 
But when you're underbidder on Winx or Chautauqua or Black Caviar or any of those horses, it always makes a, a great story. And um, John McCarter, was he underbidder on uh, Black Caviar? I think he may it was have. Was Troy Corstens? Was one of those guys. I think it was Troy yeah. who might have been the underbidder so, there. But uh, yeah, so we we didn't uh, we didn't nail him. Uh, there so was another filly we we're un- we we're underbidder on, and uh, we bought lot two sixty six out of the Melbourne Yilling Sale. What and that is an exceedance, one of yours. Yes, exceedance won the uh, the Coolmore Stud Stakes up the straight at Flemington, beating Bivouac, and Bivouac was another champion horse, and he, his progeny are just about to come through for. Uh, for next year, so we were eagerly awaiting them because I think it was – well, James Cummings told me that uh, Dominic Byrne said that it was probably one of the greatest races up the straight from a weights and scales point of view. And Exceedance was a uh, was a great horse. He uh, he did everything right and he didn't do much wrong. He was a great sprinter and now his progeny have hit the yielding sale. So we were quite eager to, uh, to get our hands on at least one of his progeny. So I'm very, very happy and excited – you don't feel like the proud father, but you sort of do to a point when you see your own stallion go off the stud. Then you're, you're eagerly awaiting, the, especially the first year, to go and see their kids win. And do I have a soft spot for alligator blood? Well, you know I do, Jared, yeah. and I've uh, I've been banging on about him for years. And he's a son of All Too Hard, which was a horse that uh, that I co-trained. So when you're seeing the progeny come through, Behemoth won for, uh, for David Jolly, and he's an All Too Hard. You do have a bit of a glint there. There's no doubt about that. You are you are the proud adopted father, I suppose. So, we were looking at the exceedances, and we've looked far and wide, and this bloke grabbed our attention because he's very, very similar to his uh, to his old man. Now that doesn't mean to say that he's going to be any good. John Daly's son look, might look like John Daly, but it mightn't help him on the uh, <laughs> golf course. And you have the most famous father son connection in racing, not on the human side, which is in its own right worthy of something, but octagonal lawn rows probably our most fondly thought of. Yeah, you're probably right. I'd never thought about that. I thought you'd given me a rap then, Jared. <laughs> I was going to say, thanks, old mate. And uh, yeah, the big O, well, he was uh, he was something special. And then to see his son, Lonro, come out and do what Lonro did. And it was always the great debate, wasn't it? They weren't the same horses as far as running the same races. Who was the better horse? And no one ever said it publicly because they were in, internally, the internal people never said it publicly, Jared, because you had both horses at stud, so you didn't want to detract from one or the other. But the bottom line was John Hawke said Octagonal was the best horse he's ever trained. Darren Beedman said Lonro was a better horse than Octagonal. So you've got the trainer and the jockey of both deciding differently. And yeah. The reason, the reason why my father said that is because Octagonal raced against the best of the best of the best. The class of 1992, when all those horses were born, we've never seen an era like those horses. Saintly, nothing like a Dane. It just, you know, Falante, and it just went on and on and on. And even the, the B-graders you thought were B-graders were not B-graders. You know, I had a feeling like shame that won two or three group ones, and they were way down the cog, but it was just a great freaky era. So to have Octagonal, then to turn around and produce his uh, champion son in Lonro, and then both those horses go off to start, and Lonro's been a great success. He's yeah. side 120 stakes winners, and I uh, snuck out there last night, Jared, to the sales at about 5.30. No one was there. I was hiding in the corner, and we thought we might sneak this little Lonro colt for about 60 or 80 grand, but of course he made 160,000, so he's, he must be. Well, I, I, I went up, Dad and I went up to uh, Lonro's 21st, uh, Dali actually had a uh, Dali had an internal at twenty first. Really, Hunter Valley, yeah, thirty eight degrees in the shade. Flies were picking you up and carrying your weight. Bow tie, 
Vincock said, no, no, it's a 21st. It's a proper event. So everyone was there in a bow tie. So they got all the breeders in. We had the best night. And I mean the best night because we were a bit, yeah, and Dad's like, I'm not going to 21st of a horse. It's ridiculous. <laughs> well, when John Oggs got there with Darren Beeman and we actually snuck off and uh, privately went off and they pulled Lonro out of the box yeah. and uh, there's John and Darren and there was only about, about six of us there. I just stood back and I went, wow, I've got goosebumps thinking about yeah. it now. It was awesome to see John Hawks, Darren Beeman and Lonro and the, the memories just start uh, flooding back through. So it was worth it just to go and see that and uh, get a few pictures. That's lovely. I, I love that idea. The the great horse, the turns 25th. 21. Off he, Vin, Vin just came out. Yeah, he just came out and said, let's do it. It would have cost, would have cost uh, Sheikh Muhammad 150 grand, but <laughs> he doesn't know. He's, he, he's got the money. So, uh, so father-son themes have been in our conversations racing-wise, and I saw you um, in a picture with um, Ricky Ponting oh, at these yes. sales as well, yes. and there's a little bit of a story there. Ricky Ponting uh, has got a wine. It's called Ponting, and... I was at the Sydney sales three weeks ago and I walked past, I don't mind a, uh, a red or a white, I'm impartial to both. I said to old mate, I said, you got the bottle there with him signed? He said, yeah, it's the uh, the top one at about $120. And, he, and I thought, gee, I'd get one for my brother-in-law and hopefully he's not listening because it's a surprise. And I'll get one for my best mate who's a mad cricket follower, listens to you all the time, Jared. Oh, I thought old I was mate. getting that bottle for a moment. no. No. <laughs> I put myself in there, didn't I? <laughs> so what happens is old mate says, I, uh, I got the two bottles at home. I'll bring them tomorrow. The next day in Sydney, forgot to bring them. He said, it's all good. I'm doing the same gig in Melbourne at the Melbourne Yielding Sales. I'll bring them to you. I said, cool. So I'm sitting there at the table at the uh, the sales complex. All of a sudden, I just get a tap on the shoulder. I turn around and Ricky Ponting, I don't know the man, never met him, walks up and said, go Wayne, how you going? Well, I fair nearly fell off my chair. I could not believe it. He presented me with the two, um, the boxed, uh, the box set of the uh, the Ponting wines, and he sat there for a few minutes and spoke to my father and Rupert Lee of Chautauqua fame and a couple of my mates that were sitting on the uh, on the table and said, "Oh, better go." I said, "Right, you're off." He said, "Yeah, I'm actually playing cricket." I said. What are you? What are you in the over twenty eights? The over thirty eights, mate. He said, "No, it's a uh, father son gig that I'm playing." That I said, "You're," I said, "You're kidding you are." <laughs> I said, we, "We have a show on SEN track called Oh No, and that that, that should go into the Oh No." You imagine being the opposition, yeah. and you're there with your son. Come on, come on, son, just make me look good. And then all of a sudden, this other kid called Ponting walks out with his old man. Fair dinkum. That's not fair. It would rather tilt the scales of the oh, afternoon ahead, wouldn't it? Quite, uh, quite, quite amazing. But uh, just quickly. On the, on the other row, no. On Saturday at the races, I walk into the uh, – Matthew Ellerton wins a race. Yep. I walk into the, uh, the the trainer's private room there that we can all go in and sit and get away from everyone and gather our thoughts. Mike Maroney's sitting there by himself in the corner and he said, how you going? I said, I'm good. He looks up the TV screen. He said, gee, he said, Matthew Ellerton, he is on fire, that young boy. He said, he is going gangbusters. He just won another race. <laughs> I said, Mike, it's the replay of the last race. <laughs> Great moments in cricket commentary throughout the pandemic years when oh. the odd commentator didn't realise the replay was going. That happened as well, <laughs> did called it? called the same wicket again. Oh, you should have seen Mike Roney's face when I told him it was a replay. So it did happen in cricket as it well. It did, it did. Did it happen John, to you? Jonathan Agnew? No, it hasn't fell happened for to you? It. I think Sandy Roberts fell for it once in, in a in a footy sense. <laughs> <laughs> See the replay and think it's all happening again. Not so. Uh, Dad has texted his octagonal Lonro the ablets of racing. Yes, I yes, think so. Great call, Gary Senior, Gary Junior. Uh, John McCarter was the underbidder on. So you think? That's so from Ashley 
in Burley. There's another great horse. And Jamie Carr is a dominant player in a sport that doesn't segregate sex. She will break records and create a pathway for future generations of women to succeed. Clearly, number one, that's Darren from Mount Deneed. Quite interesting what the you really had guy text in and said about uh, Jamie Carr that she's actually taking on the males. Does that give her an extra couple of ticks? I'm not I'm not sure. I mean, in the day, as I, as I said before, the old good cold would be a good filly. I think a good female athlete will whip a good, uh, a good male athlete. There's no doubt about that because if you are good, you are just good, aren't you? Yeah, but most sports segregate, segregate on the grounds them. of Correct. strength. and So golf, uh, they are playing the tournaments at the same time now. Yes but they still have separate fields because there's difference of length yep. off the tee. Um, and I think uh, traditionally there had been in racing, when I was growing up, there was the idea is the female jockey wasn't strong enough. And that was the era of Mick Dittman and yep. when the whip was celebrated rather Correct. than where we are now. This is the era of horsemanship where soft hands Correct. Uh, has become such a valuable commodity and good judgment is good judgment regardless of, of which gender. She has good judgment. And you know what? It's, it's publicly out there what happened to Jamie Carr 12 months ago or 18 months ago now during the COVID pandemic where she made a mistake and she paid the ultimate price in losing your income for four or five months. And the momentum must be horrendous to pick yourself up after that. One, mentally, but number two, to physically, because you've got to keep yourself going, but getting back to the number one spot, I, my, my father can vouch this because he's made it. I've never have. He's going to the Hall of Fame. I'm going to the Hall of Shame. <laughs> but the bottom line is, as he said, it was harder to get, it was hard to get there, but it was harder to stay there. So Jamie got there and then got kicked off her throne and then she's bounced back. I mean, it's an amazing thing. And what you said is right. She's got golden hands. I'll tell you, when you're three deep facing the breeze, she should have won the uh, she should have won the Australian Guineas last Saturday. Luck's a fortune, and she had none. It ran second to her horse. It was three deep, but most times when Jamie gets caught three deep, she actually grabs anchor and pulls up because what jockeys can be uh, exposed to is the leaders keep rolling, they keep rolling you three deep. Whereas what you should do is literally grab anchor and just stay at your own pace. If the two leaders go forward, let them go because everything else around around you and behind you has to come out and around you. Yep. So the guy three deep or the woman three deep, and this, happen, this applies to outside the leader as well, they are dictating the race, not the leader because if they sit for longer when you're two wide, three wide, Everyone else has to come around you and make it harder. One thing Jamie Carr does the best is, the best, is when she gets caught wide, she just sits and grabs anchor. Didn't work on Saturday because she was unfortunately facing the breeze the whole way and luck's a fortune and she didn't have it, but she's a star, a genuine, genuine star and a really, really nice young lady. I do think that Michelle Payne Melbourne Cup victory is as a moment in Australian life, which will be fully assessed in a couple of generations' time. I reckon there's a thesis to be written around this. Not only its impact on sport in Australia and breaking down the the gender barriers, but I also think in in real life as well. Anyway, that's a conversation for another time. But hi, Jared. Just so you know, our WhatsApp group has a pool going on Hawks and how many times he drops Chautauqua whenever he's on your show. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> a Wednesday morning drinking game. <laughs> and Caddy in one faggy. Go, Jackie. At Paran Cricket Trials with my boy under 15 watching this nine-year-old smashing them. Fletcher Ponting. Is that right? <laughs> it is. It is. I got a little bit more for you coming up next. Wayne Hawks is for Australian made. Look for the logo. Be sure it's Aussie. Placid Arc in front on the outside, Rubiton the inside, 
Princely Hart, it's Placid Arc, Princely Hart, uh, Princely Hart and Placid Arc's won it, Placid Arc's won the big treble, second Princely Hart, third Rubiton. Scalacci's taken the lead with 100 metres left to go, hands and heels by Oliver, finishing on Umatilla, Scalacci is the leader close to home, Umatilla and finishing very fast to Raya, but Scalacci for the new market, uh, Scalacci by a half length to Raya. Snitchell tied at the 100, take over targets, pegging him back, Snitchell just in front, take over target, dives, grabs him and wins it. Take over target first from either Snitzel, Nips who charged and Stratum in the photos right. for the miners. At the 300 metres now and Black Caviar is coasting. Kicks away, two to three lengths on Crystal Lily. King Pulse beaded is coming home. Black Caviar away by four lengths with 150 metres to go. This is unprecedented, ten straight. Black Caviar by four, Crystal Lily in beaded. But she is unparalleled. Black Caviar, perfect. I love old race calls. Those are the new markets from years gone by. Ridiculous when you look at not you, you, you're focusing on the winners, obviously. Because yeah. what else what is about in the, the field? horses in the field, and then the stallions, the Snitzels and the Stratums, and Black Caviar's coasting by four. Imagine what with you would have been like. Fifty-eight Imagine what you would have been like there, Jared. You would have been like the kid in Toys R Us yeah. with a fifty-dollar voucher. I was calling that race on the ABC at the time. Was you? <laughs> you might have been sort of right up there. I think. <laughs> um. So, th- you know, I uh, have a really keen interest in racing scheduling and its place in yes. the sporting landscape. So this weekend used to be, so when I was growing up, the new market was Saturday and then Monday was the Australian Cup. Correct. So you'd have these two feature meetings across the Moomba weekend. And then I think it was a very successful move to create a Super Saturday yes. and have both races. It was the absolute climax of this time of year. Definitely. Actually, for a long time, I thought it was one of the best days racing on the calendar, full stop. Now we've gone, we've split it all up, which I half understand. But in in the debate around the spring, there's all of your cohort going, well, what about the autumn? Well, what about the autumn? Is you've got all these random meetings now that doesn't bring any of it to a climax the new market is a, a historic race. I'll be sitting there watching them on Saturday. The following week is the All-Star Mile, which clashes with the first round of footy. And then the Australian Cup is round two. Is it, we're, not, we're not building to anything anymore. Thursday night, next Thursday night. We've got eight days to go, Jared. Round one, here we go. Yeah, it's uh, do do we, should we finish with a Super Saturday? Because what you just said is right. Super Saturday was great, and it basically signalled it's all over. Hand it back to the AFL, and then everything just turns to uh, turns to Sydney. Yeah. We talk about the autumn, and you just mentioned it in your speech just then. Look at the date today. What's the date today, Jared? The eighth of March. Right. It is not autumn racing. It is a summer carnival, yeah. and we go from the spring into summer. We all talk the autumn. No one ever says the summer carnival. The carnival's nearly over. It is a summer carnival. And we just don't get bums on seats in the uh, in, in the autumn. In the spring, we do. I saw Black Caviar win a – it was either a Lightning or a Newmarket. She won them all. But my point is I was in about race eight, and I drove in when she was, say, race – after she'd won race six. I watched at home in Essendon. I drove into the race course, and everyone was just piling out yeah, like yeah. it was the uh, – you know, the siren is screaming, uh, get out. You know what I mean? It was a fire alarm, let's say. And they just, so they only went to see her. So should, y- y- you've got right what you're saying. Should we have a Super Saturday that just signals, that's it, hand it over the AFL and it doesn't it doesn't work in the autumn, but does that mean we should stop trying? That's the biggest question. No, no, so you shouldn't stop trying, but 
I do feel like the last Saturday, which is left vacant, should be racing's big day at this time of year. And whatever that is, whether it's the All-Star Mile or Super Saturday, and put the invitation out, come one, come all, before you disappear into footy, have a day at the races. I feel like Super Saturday was that. It certainly was that for me. And then the All-Star Mile position that set the last time it was at Mooney Valley was this weekend, which was an excellent, excellent yes. addition. Um, I just don't think Saturday says enough. Come to the races for one last go before Correct. footy. We've got the new market, which is a great race. I don't want to run that down, but it's not a stacked day that goes, you know what we should do? We should go to the races. Correct. And, and the other thing is we have the best weather in the autumn. This is the best time of the year right now, year on year. We have the odd time where it's not, but it's 28 degrees. Get out there and go see it. Whereas we are trying to spread our season a bit thin and everything like that. So they have moved the All-Star Mile around. So you can run in the All-Star Mile, Jared, and then back up a week later in the Australian Cup. Yeah, but they have diluted the public event. So the the racing schedule makes more sense. Don't get me wrong on that. Yes. (laughs) But it's buried under the first round of footy. It just won't get the attention that it could get. I would assume that round one would be phenomenal in the AFL. Phenomenal. Round two probably would take a little bit of a dive, but not much I would have thought. So I'm sure people are going to put on their quaddy and uh, you go to the MCG on Saturday week and, you know, you, you go for the main race in Melbourne or Sydney. They'll be 400 deep. Blokes stand there going, what are you doing here? Well, I don't have a runner good enough, so I thought I'd come to the footy. But that's, and that's what will happen. But you're 100% right. I mean, do we, we can't, as a racing industry, take on the AFL. I mean, it's just too big. We're big Melbourne Cup week and everything like that. So... Find for the, the gaps and go for, for break. Later, for yeah. later on in the year, it's going to be a great test because we didn't get to do what you wanted, Jared, and push everything back, but then they decided they would. Oh, it was, uh, you know, you, you're overseas, but it was a tug of war back and forth. Yeah, and it never, was. And I, I honestly that. thought that it would have got off the ground and everything be pushed back, but it didn't. But it's going to be a good test for us because it will be successful, but how successful it will be. So, And if it works, I'll be the first one to say fine. But remember one thing. I've just said to you that we've just come out of summer racing and everything's getting pushed back another three weeks. We are basically going to – basically what we what what we do in Melbourne is from grand final day onwards to round one, it's, yeah. our, it's our piece in the racing industry. But then when round one comes, we just hand it back to the AFL and we just uh, – we go, uh, we go walking, and you know, you know, you know, it's round one coming up Tuesday morning. The heater out the box of Flemington went on, and you went, <laughs> "Yes, this not so fantastic summer's ending, and the, the the winter is long, but at least we get the uh, the football." All right, good to see. You. Thank you, and I do have a couple of shares available in that uh, in, the in that exceedance cold. If anyone's uh, anyone's interested, expressions of interest, waitly at sen.com.au. Wayne Hawks for Australian made. It's important to buy Australian right now. Look for the logo and be sure it's Aussie.